You are now tuned into Reppin' Sessions Podcast. Exclusive interviews with White Oak Roughneck Legends. Follow on Instagram and Facebook. Reppin' the Roughnecks. Reppin' Sessions Podcast, Episode 7. We are going to do things a little different on this episode. We are not going to have a guest. Me and James are going to honor the one and only Roy Bruce. We're going to give him his own podcast. We feel that uh, a lot of things need to be brought to light about number 22. Um, so we're going to jump right in it, James. We're going to we're going to kind of go over Bruce's career when he was at White Oak, all his accomplishments, uh, what he's done, and uh, why and why we believe 22 should be retired. I do know a lot. I know a few Roy Bruce stories. I know. <laughs> I just know how good he was. And my daddy was. Uh, that was part of the turn them loose, and, and sometimes it would be turn loose, turn Bruce loose. Bruce's loose was the big, yeah, the big saying for Roy. Um, so Roy is currently the roughneck all-time rushing leader. Still, 62 years later, passed away in 1960. He was a freshman at TCU. Um, came home for a Christmas break with uh, Jerry Davis, his roommate and best friends growing up. Mr. Undefeated. Mr. Undefeated. Uh, we had him on the podcast. Um, but uh, Jerry did tell us the story about how they came home for Christmas break and uh, Roy was killed in the you know, automobile accident. He was uh, about a mile from his house on Old 80. Yeah. I spoke to uh, Bailey Marshall. Uh, Bailey Marshall was the first one on the scene and he found Roy. And uh, he did tell me uh, it was just a heartbreaking experience. And, uh, and, and even uh, Bailey Marshall told me Roy Bruce was the absolute best athlete, best football player he had ever seen with his own eyes. And he saw a bunch. And, um, and not only did Bailey Marshall say that, we have, we have record from the Roughneck great, second winningest coach in Roughneck history, Cotton Miles, behind Winland Knowles. Texas High School Football Hall of Famer did say that Roy should be honored. But we definitely want to get his number retired. Oh, I think it ought to be. And that was the next question I was about to ask. What do you? How do you feel about that? About Roy Bruce mm-hmm. getting his number retired? And oh, why I it? think it'd be very appropriate. Uh, we do have Mike Barber on the podcast uh, on record. He did say as well. Uh, he said absolutely, number twenty-two should be retired. Twenty-two. Roy Bruce. Roy Bruce. Oh. Do you believe his number should be retired? Absolutely. And then I don't have uh, Joe Lee Smith on the pod, but I do have statements from uh, Messenger that uh, he agrees to. 22 should be retired. Another Texas High School Football Hall of Famer. So we have three Texas High School Football Hall of Famers that agree that 22 should be retired. So this should not be a debate between anybody in town or anybody on the board or a superintendent that, that thinks else. Uh, I've been sent photos of the plaque that's in the trophy case at the school. And as the all-time rushing leader in White Oak uh, helped bring the only state title to White Oak, I don't feel that that small plaque does justice for the roughneck. And I think James agrees with me as well on that. Yes, his number needs to be retired. I can go a fu- uh, you know, I can go a little further. Yesterday, I was in the grocery store and I ran across James Don Lowens, uh, known as Smiley to everyone out here. 
Mr. Uh, Coach uh, Hannicat gave him that name. He said he was the greatest of the greats. Mm. And he also said, I thought it was the understanding that nobody wore his number. And I said, well, I says, I know I would come in the stadium and it would be on and the late great roughneck uh, Freddie Sutton would call me over to where he was sitting mm -hmm. and he would start in on me. Why are they wearing Roy Bruce's number? We have coaches previously and currently that don't honor or care about the past, so they allowed 22 to get worn. He was also another special friend of uh, Roy Bruce's, and you know, and he, you know, he played with him, Roy as well. Yeah, he played yep. with him. He he was out there. Fifty. He I know he played in '58 and '59. Or 57 and 58, I'm sorry, I'm getting their years that they graduated and so forth uh, mixed up. But uh, I know a lot of people thought the world of Roy. Bob Perry, shop teacher counselor, he thought the world of him. He loved to spin Roy Bruce stories, hmm. um, you know, in the shop and everything. And he told me one time, he says, I wish I, I could see the Mineola game where he threw up all that <laughs> ice cream. Oh yeah, where uh, Cotton told us the yeah. famous story. So, we're going to get into a little bit about Roy for people that don't know about Roy. Um, in 1957, Roy made the most famous run in Red Oaks football history in the state championship game against Mart when he broke loose for 71 yards to tie the game. But it was more than one play, greatest roughneck of all time. Uh, Roy Bruce was a winner from 1956 when he played baseball as a freshman through the, uh, the state track meet his senior year in 1959. Uh, the serp, this superb athlete in White Oak helped White Oak win 12 of 13 district titles and three state crowns. So uh, this man was a part of three state championships that are on that banner out front on White Oak Road that if there was not a 22... That 57 state title, I, I truly believe, would not be there if we... Yep, uh, you're right. And on that play, um, it was fourth down and about three, two or three yards to go. We had the ball on our own 29-yard line. And Cotton Miles thought, well, it's one of those now-or-never times. And if we don't uh, score, if we don't get a first down here, there's about four minutes left. We're going to have to give the ball up, and they're liable just to you know, be able to run the clock out. And so, you know, and Mark also felt like it was do or die. They pull everybody up and they two linebackers and you know, he, he hits a, he hits the line and I think one or two grabbed a hold of him and he broke loose and then all of a sudden there wasn't nothing but grass and daylight and, and nobody was gonna catch him. Nobody was gonna catch him. Uh, during his three year uh, time on the field, Bruce's teams compiled a 32-2-2 record. White Oak was ranked number one in the state in 56 and 58. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people know about the 58 team, uh, James, now. I do know, you know, it was obviously a big deal back in the day. It was the, the 58 team was the uncrowned state champions. They never lost a game. Uh, on the 11 games they played in 1958, they averaged 43 points a game that year. Uh, at the end of Roy's career, he was ranked the second best rusher of all time in Class 1A division with 4,558 yards. His 321 yards against Hallsville in 56 was also at the time the second best ever by an individual in that classification. Uh, in addition to football, Bruce ran the legs on two winning uh, relay teams to help White Oak win the 58 state crown. 
He was also a letterman as a sophomore when the Roughnecks nabbed the uh, 57 basketball title. So he ended his career with, uh, and I'm sorry, it was 4,585 yards, not 4,558 yards. So he's the all-time rushing leader with 4,585 yards. He was all-district in 1956, 57, and uh, all-state in 57. Uh, the reason why, again, he wasn't uh, didn't get any all-district or all-state honors in 58 was because of the ineligible player. That, uh, after the Roughnecks beat Edgewood, I think it was 70-12, to 12, and White Oak had to forfeit the rest of the year. And that's a whole other story in itself right there because of who uh, supposedly told on the Roughnecks and turned in uh, Griffin's... Uh, his name Matt was Griffin. Matt. They turned in his birth certificate, and that's a story yeah. about Red Lawrence. We could do a whole nother pot on. Yeah, we, uh, you know, uh, it was so sad because uh, everybody, not just Roy, but all the rest of them, were punished on that '58 team, and you know, and and they knew they knew where they were going. They knew where they were headed. It wasn't uh, we're going to win district. Is we're going to win state. We're going to go back and and. Uh, you know, this time it, we're going to be uh, we're going to be the state champions, and uh, I never will forget. Uh, I was up at the furniture store with my daddy, and daddy uh, walked in and said, "Well, since we got word from Austin, and and we're out," and uh, that was a sad, sad time, heartbreaking times. And then, and I tell you, for about why don't played. Uh, Hawkins off and on for about I guess I want to say 12 years and uh, that blood was still boiling everything was still going from that from that one year people hollered out at Red no telling what all they said to him I heard people my age and older get on him and so you know I don't imagine he liked playing wide open. Not only was he an all-state running back he was an all-state linebacker so people don't realize that, uh, you know, not only was Roy just a tremendous running back, some of these guys that we've talked to have say Roy was probably a better linebacker than he was running back. And if that says anything, I mean, that speaks volumes. Just the stories we've heard about Roy, everyone that talked about him, this record is still 62 years later, still holding strong. I mean, what Roy accomplished on both sides of the ball, what he did for his team, I mean, he. I mean, we haven't had an athlete like that. We've had some that that were real good, you know, that were superstar status like Bob Waite and Russell Waite, and Mike Barber, Sam Hunt. We've had we've had several. And I could probably go on and on. There were several on the 1963 team that that uh, was undefeated and tied for district. But uh, you know, I just. Uh, I, I'm amazed at the, at at uh, what all Roy did, and you know we haven't had anybody else to come along, you know, uh, since then. Yep, and you know, uh, you know, we see a lot of tradition, and we see a lot of pride quotes, and we see a lot of this and that about you know White Oak history, and this is all we're wanting to do is just we're trying to you know yeah. bring light to what Roy was to yeah. this school. We're trying to bring light to what he was to this football team and what he was to the Roughnecks and the community. I mean, we're, we're watching the playoffs from the 1957 game. We're watching the sundown. And Phil McFarlane, one of the linemen, whose brother Kevin, um, 
played on the well, played for the Roughnecks in the nineteen late sixties and so forth. Anyway, he was our little league coach, and he showed me eight years later a big old bruise. He said this was this is a permanent thing that's on my leg from the sundown game. He says we would have been a lot better off had we played Mark first and then played sundown mm. because sun, he said no doubt about it that sundown was a tougher team. And looking at them, I think they were. Oh, I have J uh, Jolie Smith's book opened here. Yeah. Uh, if, if you've never read Beneath the Tearing Oil Wells, you don't know about the book. It's really hard to find one. But, you know, some someone may have some family members that have a copy. And I would highly suggest anybody that can get a, their hands on this book, uh, read through the book. I mean, Roy Bruce has his own section in the book. It's called Bruce's Loose in State. I mean, there's a whole bunch on him in here. Uh, you were talking about linebacker a while ago. Um, Jerry Davis told us that uh, the coaches told him up at TCU, Roy was definitely going to start at linebacker as a sophomore. So you said about the you know that fourth down run when uh, Roy mm -hmm. broke loose for 71. In the book, it said Mark made a fatal mistake. Yeah, the Panthers lined up with the nine front and two line linebackers right. and. Davis handed the ball to Bruce, wedged through a narrow gap and left tackle and found nothing but daylight. Here's a quote from Roy. It says, I had my head down trying for the first down. Bruce after the game, then it just opened up. Biggest hole I've ever seen and there wasn't anybody to stop me. So, uh, again, with that run, without 22 being a part of that 57 team, 58 team, I truly believe after everything I've read and, and looked through, uh, we wouldn't have a state title in White Oak. Shared or not, um, I mean, it's a pretty big deal. 62 years later, this man needs to be uh, recognized and be honored. So that's what we're here for. Repping the Roughnecks is uh, solely on, you know, supporting the student-athletes. Students are always going to be first. Um, and so that's what this is for, guys. We, we, you know, we would go to bat. We'd go to war for anybody, you know, that had this type of, accolades that you know was this big of a importance to the white oak history so um you know just think about that you know we're, we're trying to bring light to the situation there are some people in town that obviously don't want it to happen and that's fine uh, like i said it's not a debate we aren't trying to debate it it's not something that needs to be debated like someone wanted to do uh, we don't feel like he needs to be in a ring of honor he needs to be he needs to have 22 retired White Oak has never done it, and Roy needs to yeah. be the first honored. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm willing to go up against anybody that thinks otherwise. And if you think otherwise, sit down with me, listen to this podcast, uh, because there's a lot that you need to know about Roy. There's, uh, there's a lot about Roy that we even cover in this, because there's so much about the guy. Um, you know, I, I created the Rep in Sessions podcast. I, I created a studio for it, and I named the studio Roy Brew Studio. Uh, I mean, I have his jersey painted. There's some stuff about him, you know, body that comes in and sits down. They can see that, and it, and it can be talked about because uh, 22 was kind of left behind. 22 was forgotten in White Oak for a while, and uh, we're just trying to make sure that don't happen again. And we feel if 22 gets retired, that won't definitely ever happen again. So, you know, that's what we're trying to do here. Uh, you know, this isn't. We're not trying to, uh, you know, we're trying to argue with anybody. This is a roughneck legend. This is one of y'all's own people. Roll, roughnecks, roll. Back to his, to his funeral. Not necessarily the funeral, but the 
graveside side service part at Lakeview, and I never will forget walking with the Coxes. Uh, Jimmy Cox, his teammate, uh, he was home. He was a freshman in college also. I think he went to University of Texas. But anyway, Jimmy was probably a better basketball player and football player, and and he, uh, we're all walking down to the cemetery, or to the graveside, and then after it's over, we look up and here comes Jerry Davis, and he looked at my daddy and said, Mr. Oliver, what are we gonna do? And uh, I, you know, talking about the whole town was broken hearted. Um, Don Hunter, who worked for Fred Matney at the mobile station, when they pulled the car, he must have come around by Midway Piping Supply. He saw the car, he just put his head down and cried. So, you know, what a great person. And again, um, uh, Paul was able to uh, have lunch with Dwayne Bruce, who's older than Roy. Dwayne's son. Dwayne's son, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, Dwayne's passed away, and, unfortunately. And his, and his wife, um, and they were talking about Roy's death certificate, which said that Roy uh, died of a heart attack from an enlarged heart. And, of course, you know, I just I just wanted to bring that out where everybody knew that. And uh, that I guess it never was talked about. No, it never was very very often and I just wanted to bring that out while yep. we were we were here. Now, I he he was like that man told me yesterday, he was the greatest of the greats. Yep. And so I have nothing else, you know, to say but uh, I guess with that enlarged yeah. heart, I mean he was a superhuman, you know, what he did. I mean this kid was just an absolute monster. Mm -hmm. And he needs to be honored. Over a year, we've been trying to do this together, we've been James. Trying to do this over a year. Uh, we can't, some people don't want to return calls. Some people don't want to return emails. But that's fine. Repping sessions and repping the Roughnecks will be here longer than some of these people. Roll, Roughnecks, roll. But uh, I want to bring. I want to go back to this thing in the book about the Mark. Uh, the Mark game. Uh, you know, they said after Roy tied the game, Joe Lee Smith put here in the book that Mark displayed its own uh, brand of courage because they refused to f go for a tie. I tried. Uh, I sure did. Bruce swiped a t uh, an interception, giving the Roughnecks a scoring opportunity. Uh, when, the, uh, when the Panthers stalled the drive at the 18, David Alexander tried a field goal into the face of a 15-mile-an-hour win that barely drifted right. So, guys, Roy... <coughs> Intercepted a pass after he went 71 yards to put us in a position to tie. So not after that did he uh, intercept one pass. He intercepted another one. He raced back 20 yards to the Mark 10 with 43 seconds left to play. But on the next play, uh, it said uh, Jerry Davis was blindsided while dropping back to pass and fumbled at the 22. So we just want people to, uh, you know, really understand why we're doing this you know it's not just we didn't just pick some random roughneck and said let's retire a number um, we did a lot of obviously a lot of history on this a lot of research James knows the history and so that's why we wanted to do this it's gonna be a quick podcast um, but I just wanted to bring the light a little bit to about Roy um, and like I said, if you have the chance to get this book Joe Lee Smith did on the on the roughnecks it'll give you a lot of a lot of insight on Roy 
and all his accomplishments and how big he was and how important he was to this Roughneck uh, team for the three years he played ball. So I just know how fabulous he was, and I thought he was a very nice person as a little boy, and I'm all for honoring him. And uh, like the man said, the greatest of the great, and I don't have anything else to say. Yes, sir. So, uh, again, Reppin' Sessions Podcast, this is Episode 7. And we thank you all for listening. I hope this, you know, changes some minds. I hope this gets to someone's ears that needs to hear it. And if it doesn't, oh, well, we're still here. Uh, Repping Sessions Podcast. Thank you. Roll, Roughnecks, roll.